Breadline Bernie is a millionaire. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Finally, Department of Education believes in science. Oh. Yes. And the White House is screening Gosnell movie. That's awesome. That's Way awesome. Go. That's good. That's good stuff. Yeah. And we're going to get into the heartbeat bill, Cory Booker on slavery reparations. It's a full show. I get we reparations? Also, <laughs> we also have on Georgetown University, maybe, <laughs> Dr. Christopher Yuan. I said it right. Yuan. Coming on. It's a U. Uh, coming on the show, we got a, it's a long interview. It's a good interview. Buckle up. Some There's, of you complaining about a short show. Okay, no. here we come. So <laughs> welcome to Politic on the Fight, Laugh, Beast Network. Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, Gabe, it's hey. good to be with you guys. Uh, we have an announcement before we get into news. Mm. Uh, Robert Borton's our, our, our corporate year-long corporate sponsor. We need more of you. Classical Conversations. Classical Conversations. Yeah. They have a couple announcements they wanted us to make. One is uh, Classical Conversations is not just about weekly community, but holistically meeting parents' needs. That is why they are offering a free three-day classical training event across the nation this summer. Oh. Yeah, cool. Called Parent Practicums. You can find out more at www.parentpracticum.com. We'll also send that out on our email also. And at the it's the end of the school year. It's the end of the school year. Yeah. So they also have a website where homeschoolers can test themselves. Oh, oh like nice. like end of grade testing. End of grade testing. You know, how are you? How'd your eighth grade year go? Yeah. Ninth grade year, you know. So you go go to homeschooltestingservices.com that's, that's homeschooltestingservices.com nice. and you're busy uh, but you can test in a group setting or from a convenience of your own home online and get results back almost immediately i so, like that also yeah. if you're not a cross baltic club member or a fight laugh feast club member yep. you oh, need man. to go to crossbaltic.com hit that button Please. join yes and we have we have these cool levels now yeah bronze and i don't know silver and silver platinum and Platinum. Three levels. And, and if, if you, you guys don't know, Toby has over three hours of yeah. Proverbs Bible study in uh, our in our uh, club portal. So good. Yeah, so if you're a club member, you yep. get access to our Worldview Shotgun series. Yep, yep. Our, our Worldview Shotgun series. Boom. And Proverbs with Pastor Toby, Wisdom yep. for Kings. We got other Message. things coming in with from uh, Vodi Bakum and, oh, and yeah. Gary DeMar. He actually has, uh, Uncle Gary has two sessions up right now. He has the round table with God Pastor Doug Wilson. Yep. Or that's, that's eschatology. That's eschatology. And then we also have, we did a very special show with him on NRB that is now available oh. for all those club members All right. Well. So anyways, oh, crossbaltic.com, yep. click join. All right. So Breadline Bernie became a millionaire. <laughs> bleh. And Breadline Bernie. And when he was asked about it, so he wrote this book and it bumped him up into the millionaire status, okay? Mm. Okay. And when I thought it was, was everybody's giving that bumped him up into the millionaire Well, he's got $28 million in his campaign funds. So he'd been a millionaire for a while. He, for a, a while, bit, yeah. For, for a minute. But yeah. personally, he's now a millionaire. <laughs> so when asked about this, Bernie responds and says, Breadline Bernie responds and says, I wrote a best-selling book. If you write a best-selling book, you can be a millionaire too. That's not what he sounds like at all. That was a terrible <laughs> person. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can't do it. I should have practiced. You're feeding the band. I, I should have practiced. I know but, I am. But note this. So, Breadline Bernie, he's been elected official since 1981. How? He's been... Ver- since I was born. Vermont. Yeah. All right. Vermont, we blame you. He built his platform off the government. His primary campaign theme has been socialism, which right. means government owns the means of production. <laughs> and now he's defending capitalism, basically. So right. he he became a millionaire and now he's kind of yeah. defending. So you can become a millionaire uh-huh. too if the government don't yeah. take it all first. And, and just so you know, uh, I think Ben Shapiro says, um, "Marks in the streets, hike in the sheets." <laughs> oh, 
I get that. Yeah, I get you got, that. If you got Hayek, I, I economist get, Hayek, all uh, right? Free market. Yeah, Marxist he's, in the street, economist in the sheets. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. It, but, but this is this is a, a, a feature. It's not a bug. Oh, when, yeah. when when you see how capitalism works, all of a sudden you start defending right. it. Right. The only you know? the problem we have though is, I mean, he's not really defending it. That's the problem. The problem is well, he's, he's defending his yeah. way of getting to that wealth for a minute. Yeah. But I mean, he actually wants to pass laws yep. that would um, prevent him from becoming a millionaire. Mm-hmm. He, yep. Well, at he least wants, not keeping all his money. <laughs> well, yeah. well, but this hey, how yeah. this is how socialism works. The, the those yeah. who are in power get all the money, and those who are not in power. Yeah. Ultimately, so that's true. Also, he's, he's fine. Yeah. He's, well, uh, yeah. He's happy with socialism because he's on top. Yeah. Right. All right. Another. So if you guys remember back in 2000 and like eight, nine or 10, something like that. During I the Obama, hardly remember yesterday, dur- man. During the Obama administration, Seriously. he reinterpreted Title Nine. Who? Uh, oh, President Obama. Oh, yeah. And he he uh, told the Department of Education to reinterpret Title Nine to basically allow for transgender students on college campus to um, make it. So you had uh, transgender bathrooms on college campus. Basically, this the title line is a quality bill. Right. Right. You're supposed to have the equal amount of women's sports, equal amount of man's right. sports. Equal amount sports. of black. And, and it's it, tied to well, money. Well, there's more blacks in sports than whites anyway, so you win. You okay. win on that. But it's, it's all tied to money, It's right? all tied to money, if, right? If you take the federal money, you take mm-hmm. the federal uh, coin, coin yep. then you're the, you, you have to bow to their... Um, their laws yeah. right? about what sense. they consider yep. fair and just. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so you now to have e- equality measures and standards at university on campuses for transgender okay. community. So, but the DeVos, Trump and DeVos are rolling back those protections for what they call protections for transgender Yeah, let's students. not say that. That's it, a curse it, on the it, show. Exactly. Somebody exactly. bleep that yeah. out. They're not protections <laughs> for transgender yeah. students. What they're actually, what Obama did was insist that our women be unprotected. That's exactly right. And That's Trump right. and DeVos are coming in and saying, we're going to defend our daughters and our wives. That's, That's right. right. That's, That's what's right. going on here. Well, and here's, here's what's crazy. It's like Department of what? Education. Right. It's like, do you guys believe in science or not? And are you going to make legislation and rules that are scientific? Right. You know, and they are doing that. And, and Obama and the Trump administration is actually right. making them scientific again. Yeah, yeah, because well, Obama right. is making up Obama and the leftist crusade, the the progressive crusade is making up categories of people. Yep. Which means they're making up morality. Yeah. As they go along, mm-hmm. which which you you can't stop this. Right. You, you, there's no train. There, there's mm-hmm. no brakes on this train. Yeah. It, it, you know why can't then what what's the next thing? Yeah. Um. This this person um needs. Uh, to prey on little kids this little this person yeah. i mean you can't stop this yeah well why don't we just take away giving colleges money period yeah. mm. how about that um, and, and then let, then let them do whatever they want to do and whoever yeah. wants to give their money to to help that institution grow they can right. how stupid but, they want to be how much they want to deny science let's let have them do a it. race right. how about let let's have it. a race right. but you don't understand <laughs> yeah, right. the american people are a um uh benighted um foolish naive people and they need to be helped yeah Ah, they they need, we need a, more breadline Bernie. They need to be lorded over. They need they need oh, yeah. masters yeah. who will provide for them and take care of them because they can't think for themselves. They can't take care of their own daughters, their hey, own wives. But also, the American people love vice, which means they love lords. Right, right. Well, they yeah they they want the lord. Give uh-huh. us a king. They yeah. want that's right. They, that's yeah. right. They want kings yeah. who will oppress them so long as the kings will give them circuses and bread. Yeah, yeah. Right. and, and while right? I appreciate and what's going on with, with, with DeVos and Trump and what they're trying to do, I I, I do appreciate that. But I want to know. I want us to know the real wind is not that the real wind is that we can actually not have don't take the money from the government right, yeah. so, right. why are your don't send your kids to the public school no right. don't send your kids to the public university 
Right. Yeah. Okay. If you can at all help it, get out. Check yep. out. Say yep. no, thank you. Find a homeschool uh, co-op. Start your find own a school. Christian school. Yeah. Find uh, a Christian university. Do it. That's not taking federal funding. And yeah, because the point yep. is, the point is not in the first instance. Do I think that some Christian kids could make it? Mm-hmm. No, that's not the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The point is the government is saying, I will be your provider. I will mm-hmm. be your master. I will be your king. Here, come to me. Right. And what you need to do is say, no. That's right. right. And also, no, yep. Jesus is my king. That's right. Jesus Amen. is my savior. <laughs> and yep. I'm going to raise my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Right. Uh, we're going to be involved in the church and other non-governmental institutions yeah. and and we're going to provide and protect ourselves. I think too right. we've been thinking about this the wrong way. I think a lot of times we feel like that um that the government is the dog and we're the tail. But it's not actually the case. If we pull ourselves out of the public school system, they collapse. Yeah. So, who's the dog and who's the tail? Right. The problem is that the tail has been wagging the right. dog. Yeah, we <laughs> Christians are propping up these programs. We are the ones. Oh, right. And That's if right. we withdraw and we That's be right. faithful, right. But, okay. this, but this means we need to repent. Yeah. Yep. We need to repent all the way to the ground for not providing for our own family, for not training our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Baptize your kids if you have right. children. And, and that's what that means, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. If you, if you don't know that, it means discipleship. Yes. It means yes. saying that Jesus is Lord yep. that's right. over everything. And Caesar is not. Yeah. That's right. 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 The feds is not. Yeah. Well, all right. So here's a, a a White House thing that we can agree with. A government move that we can agree Why with. Why got to be a White House? Uh, man, because it's painted white. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the President Trump, the White House, is going to host a screening of the Gosnell movie. You remember uh, Gosnell, Kermit Gosnell was the abortion yeah. doctor in Pennsylvania. Yeah. In Philadelphia area. We interviewed the director. We interviewed the, the director. Producer. No, 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 she was the awesome. Producer. Yeah, the she producer. was awesome. What's her? Ann, I forget. Ann. Michael Haney. There Haney. we go. Yeah. yeah. And, and so Andrew Clavin, he's right he here. He he's script. coming up here this summer for calledconference.ninja. Um, <laughs> and uh, what I like about this is like, you know, this is a play yeah. that uh, the White House is running. This is the equivalent of when Obama lit up the White House with the rainbow flag. Ooh, yeah. yeah. This is yeah. Trump. Yep. As as running the flag up, saying yep. we're pro life. Yep. Trump's been doing a lot of those kind of things. Uh, I mean, he, <laughs> that's because Trump understands how to fight. Yeah, yeah. right. He knows yeah, right. how to gather people around him who, yeah. who are enthusiastic. And you know, yep. I mean, some of the stuff he does makes yeah. me cringe. So some yeah. of the people on the other side are going to say, "So what is what does that accomplish that they're playing the movie at the White House?" What is it's, that? It's um, it's it's stirring up um a spirit. Mm. It's stirring up enthusiasm. It's cheering on the crowds. Yeah. It's, it's the same kind of thing when you're in battle and you see the American flag see the get flag hoisted go up, up and everyone's like, yes, yes. yes right? I'm, and, and that's the thing. And the people don't understand that um, we've said this a number of times on our show, but courage begets courage. That's yeah. right. That's right. And no, so, right. and we just need to trust the Lord in that. And that's why we need men who are standing up, who are raising the flag, right. who run the flag up the pole and yep. saying, this is who we are. This is where we stand right. cheerfully, it's not the joyfully right. laughing, no. feasting with their families, yeah, that's right. but saying this is where we are. And we ain't budging. That's right. and, but here's also the thing is uh, you got to praise. You got to give uh, credit to the incrementalist brothers. And he also got to give credit to the abolitionist brothers, even uh, all in the same week. So, okay. I want to be, do I, I be careful on both sides of that. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> what are we doing? Both sides make me nervous. So Ohio, Passed a heartbeat bill yeah. this last week. Governor signed it. Way to go, and, and this last week in Texas, our brothers, the abolitionists, were presented a in abortion legislation in Ohio. Uh, what where, where was that? In Texas, excuse me, not mm-hmm. Ohio. In Texas, in Austin, Texas. Oh, oh, the home of Salt Lake Barbecue, Austin, Texas. <laughs> Salt lost its wait, wait, flavor. Huh? So, oh, so you're saying like, I, wait, we got we got both we got plays being run. Yeah, which which was really good. And, and yeah. I, 
I think we need to be encouraging. We've talked about this a lot on the show. We need to be encouraging both these plays. Cheer them both yeah. on. Yeah. It's, Way it's, to go, Texas. Way but, to go, Ohio. Exactly. But in Ohio, so after the governor signed the legislation, heartbeat yeah. bill, uh, Democrats started offering a slew of amendments uh, amendments ugh, to offer <laughs> exceptions for rape, incest, um, you know, uh, prevent taxpayers from paying the legal bill for imminent court battle. Okay. Um, because if 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 abortion happens and it's and, and right. there's a debate and there's a debate on the heartbeat, yeah. it could go to okay. court. Okay. Right? So okay. And uh-uh. exemptions uh-uh. for African American women from the heartbeat abortion ban. Uh-uh. What? That is crazy. Uh-uh. Isn't that the definition of racist? Uh-uh. Is that <laughs> so? Ohio representative. Uh, her her name is uh, what's her name? Oh, good. They have a person for this uh, embodiment. It's a woman. Wow. It's a woman. Boyd. Um, what's her name? I can't. What's her name? Um, oh, you got me lost. It's not, not even other Boyd. Okay. okay. Uh, a representative Boyd. Democratic Boyd. Um, she says I consider the slave trade and how black slaves were once treated like cattle and put out to stud in order to create generations of more slaves. I consider how pregnant slaves self-induced abortion so they they would not contribute children they had to the slave system. And so I ask you, with all your values, to consider that and vote yes to this amendment. Oh, my gosh. Which, which exempts African. African-American babies from the heartbeat bill. Wow. Oh. They can't even see it. They're the new slave masters, and they can't even Man. see it. One of the beautiful things when Israel was enslaved to Egypt, one of the beautiful things that they were having kids, so much so that Pharaoh wanted to kill them. Yeah. Right, right, that's <laughs> right? right. That was their victory in their childbearing. And, and she's producing and a she bill is, yeah, exactly. saying, I think we should be able to kill our babies they should live. since Pharaoh was trying to kill our babies. Hey, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. What? Yeah. Hey, let's help black people by killing them all. Yeah. Wow. They, they are so busy searching for where racist racism is, where racists yeah. are. And they're they're being worse than racist yeah. because racist at least right. wanted the kids. Right. But she's doing is X and amount so that now what happens is you have this gradual growth, white culture grows here, and yeah. they're looking, where's black people right. at? This oh, is we're allowing them to kill themselves. This is why woke is loving. Woke is the new whiteness. Yeah. Okay? Man. Woke is the well, new yeah, whiteness. Give, give that. In the name of social justice, in the name of protecting black people, yeah. we're going to kill them. Yep. Because they were oppressed, we're going to put them under the we're government thumb. We're going to create a safe space for and, you to kill and your who's baby. Gonna, yeah. Who benefits from all this? Yeah. Right. White they, they liberals. It, yeah. when, whenever a white liberal comes to help, you run away. <laughs> Don't yeah, amen. let them amen. help. Amen. Right. Yeah, let, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, yep. um, that's the trouble with, I mean, the center of the social justice uh, thing is a, is a false gospel. Yeah. It, it's distorting the gospel. It's messing with the gospel. It's saying that Jesus is not enough to heal our brokenness mm-hmm. yeah. and it's saying that jesus's blood is not is not rich enough is not precious enough to pay all our debts Amen. and so there's debts that are still left to pay that need to get that need to get paid and so we're going to hold you guilty and all this yep. stuff but the flip side of this is whenever i've said this before whenever anybody says something's not enough they're always setting up to say and here's we what you, for you. here's yeah. what you need that's yep. right um, this is your sin problem and yep. jesus is not enough to save you from that and so you need another savior you need right. the state yeah. right the state is your savior yep. that's what and 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 what does the state do the state is a false god and so the false gods always crush us they yep. always maim us right. they they always tear us apart and so this is a woman out mm-hmm. in the open having no idea just doing what Molech does. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. just That's acting right. like it's normal, completely sane yep. to say, 
but but black people can kill their babies. Yeah. Her her God is blind and she is blind. And she's man. absolutely she's blind. acting man. just and, like and her false Christian God. church needs to blow up. Oh man, needs yeah. to blow up. I want to hear you, Russell Moore. Yeah, for I, real. I'm serious, Al Mohler. Yeah, that's I wanna, right. I want to. You need to blow this up and say, look, this is this is what they're doing. If you wrote a book on wokeness, hey, how say about some. it? How oh, about man. it? Anybody right. write a book Amen. called Woke Church? I'm just, yeah. Anybody? I'm just saying. Woke abortion. I mean, how about woke, it? Woke Molech. How about it? Hey, Hit but this. the good thing is Cory Booker, Senator Cory Booker, introduced a bill to the good thing? study the good what thing? the Bible says about slave reparations. Did he? What the no. Bible says? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Like, Corey, where go? Cory Booker is like, I think we should study the Bible. Or what it says about reparations. <laughs> actually, actually, he just introduced a bill to, to put a committee together oh, to study glorious? What rep- if there should be reparations and what it wouldn't should look glorious? like. glorious? Are should you be- praying for that? Man, what the Bible says. Are you says? praying for a, a senator to say, guys, let's form a committee to study what the Bible says? That's, that's that awesome. Would be- wouldn't Absolutely. that be glorious? Mm. I know you're totally joking. Yeah. You're like, you know, you just... You're, Hey, we're going to put a committee together to see what the Bible says the, about abortion. You know the you know the first Congresses would have. They, we, they, they, yeah, and that's actually that's they actually a bill that should be introduced. You, you know that's to what, Idaho. Hey, what does the Bible say about abortion? Yeah, you know what? That's, oh, that's a good. Ooh, I, yeah. I like Let's that. study the Bible. Yeah, what does oh, the Bible say good. about abortion? Yeah, that's good. Let's just say. I mean, we're yeah. not saying anything else. We just want to report this as this is what the Bible says. Yeah. Wow. On all of our acts. Yeah. On, on, <laughs> on reparations. Yep. On, on, on uh, that, taxation. And we're going to employ Gary DeMar and Gary North. <laughs> <in the process. laughs> yes. yes. Uh, I'm, you know, and I, and I think, you know, Christians, I know a bunch of you all are out there involved in various uh, efforts to talk to your city councils. Yes. Um, yep. Specifically about abortion. Keep it up. And, and praise God for that yep. and, and keep it up. And I would just say, you know, don't underestimate also just the, the helpfulness of doing Bible study. Right. Amen. You got three right. minutes in front of the city council. Yep. Yeah, that's Hey, right. use that three minutes and just do a little Bible study with them. Yeah. Little, See, I'm just here. Yep. I want to tell you what the Bible says about yep. taxation. Yep. That's right. I want really to teach you about what the Bible says about sexual morality. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to teach you what and, the Bible says about life. And just leave it there. Don't and argue. Leave, yeah. You, just just you leave God's word. You don't have to raise it. your voice. Yep. You don't have to rebuke them. Yep. I mean, you know, some people are going to, and that's fine. But you can just do a Bible study and say, this is what God's word says about these things. That's right. You can bring in even what you know science says. You can bring in what, mm-hmm. what history says. You can bring in what, but just this is what it says. This is what God says. Mm-hmm. And yet I want you to consider this. You know, we had uh, Uncle Gary on the show recently. One of the things that he said I thought was really interesting, he said, if he was mayor, he said, I would actually spend my time teaching and discipling. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and when I saw what happened in Texas where they rejected the whole yeah. uh, bill that they were passing, I was thinking to myself, Okay, yeah, this is bad, and it's bad that it happened from somebody who seems like they're on our team. Yeah. But I realize our discipleship yeah. is our problem. Yeah. And so if yep. we get the chance to go ahead and That's stand right. up there and talk yeah. to your city councilman, when, when my, uh, go ahead and... Oh, you're just going to play the music? We, we got to plug. No, 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 no. We got to plug. Stop, Stop the music. Stop the music. First of all, I got to tell a quick story. Oh. <laughs> and then I'm going to do the plug. <laughs> <laughs> so it ain't about the plug. This is a, but I'm serious. It actually reminds me of this. So my, my, my professor in seminary, Dr. Hughes... Oliphant Old. Yes. First of all, awesome name. Yep. He yeah. He was oddest, uh, awesome Scottish Presbyterian Classy. pastor. And and uh man, he was he was just he was just dude. But um he made friends with a guy who ended up being the poet laureate of a former communist nation. Oh wow. And when wow. communism fell after the Iron Curtain fell, this poet laureate, he was an Eastern Orthodox believer, um, who Dr. Old had taught the Bible to. Yeah. When he comes to he comes uh, the, the communism falls, the the heads of this former communist nation say, we need to learn about how to be faithful Christians in a democracy. Yeah. And this, uh, this poet laureate says, I have a friend in the States. He's a Presbyterian pastor. He's great at teaching the Bible. 
And so uh, Dr. Hughes Oliphant Old gets a, a certified letter uh, from the Archbishop of, of this, this I think it was Romania, the former communist nation, okay. inviting him to come over to teach all of the Christians in this nation. Oh, glory. Ooh. And what did he do? But he went over there and he taught them about the importance of Christian education. Mm. He says, what am I going to do? Mm. And, and they gave him this grand tour of all the major like Eastern Orthodox basilicas. Wow. And he said, I've me- never been treated with more honor in all my life. And here he is, a Presbyterian Protestant wow. pastor being led around by all these dudes and, you know, all the regalia. And the yeah, big hats. Yeah. Big hats and incense and everything. And he says, you need to teach your people the Bible. Mm. Teach your people the Bible. He says, man, what am I going to do? Like, yeah. he says, I just, he's, and they were just hungry to learn. Yeah. He says, teach them the Bible. Yeah. Christian education. Christian education. Wow. Christian education. That's Genesis winning. to Revelation. That's what we need. Amen. We need a revival of loving the Bible, reading yep. the Bible, Knowing teaching it, the Bible, it, and yeah. applying it to every area of life all right if you're if you're a homeschooler <laughs> speaking of education <laughs> we have an app for you yes. learnly.me with learnly you can capture your family's learning experience anytime anywhere and it's mm-hmm. all pushed into a digital portfolio that allows you to create classes grade work a family learning experience yep. and you can even generate transcripts with a single click or maybe two something all homeschoolers should be doing and for cross politic listeners use discount code learnly cross, cross to get 50% off the first three months monthly subscription plan on top of 30 days free. How can you beat that? Head on over. So over Learnly to- has been with us since December. Yeah, this Learnly. is our last Thank plug you, for them. Learnly.me slash CrossPolitik. Come on, audience. Go over there. Check hey, them out. Check it out. All right. Next on CrossPolitik, Holy Sexuality in the Gospel with Dr. Christopher Yohan. I'm going with Ewan. Ewan? Ewan. Ewan? Maybe. Ewan? We'll that's find what, out. That's what, that's what I said. <laughs> More CrossPolitik when we come back. Hi, I'm Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show on The Daily Wire. I'm going to be speaking up in the chimney of northern Idaho this summer at Called Conference, which runs from July 15th through the 19th. I'll be giving my testimony, which is Christianese for the story of my conversion to Christianity, as detailed in my book, The Great Good Thing. And I'll be talking about why Christians should be involved in writing movies, like the movie I wrote, The Gosnell Movie. Called Conference is a worldview conference for Christian high schoolers. They want to challenge you to become the next generation of cultural leaders. So if you want to register, go to www.calledconference.ninja. I hope to see you there. Bro, you got to take the thing out the thing. I want extra concentrate in there. It's going to be bitter. Welcome back to Cross Politic on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. This segment is brought to you by Gabe Spilling the Coffee. Yes. And you can get that coffee at crosspolitik.com. Yes, you can. It's a fight last Sovereign feast. roast. Sovereignty Man. roast. Yeah, we, might, we might have oh. some coffee giveaways coming up, too. Oh, we, we need some to talk coffee about giveaways. That, anyways. Hey, with us on this segment, we're so grateful to have Dr. Christopher Ewan. He has taught the Bible at Moody Bible Institute for over 10 years. His speaking ministry on faith and sexuality has reached five continents already. Wow. He speaks at conferences on college campuses and in churches. He's co-authored with his mother, their memoir, which is now in seven languages, wow. Out of a Far Country, A Gay Son's Journey to God, A Broken mm. Mother's Search for Hope. I, I'm hearing some Augustine themes yeah, in there yeah. somewhere. He Ooh. is also the author of Giving a Voice to the Voiceless. He graduated from Moody Bible Institute in 2005, Wheaton College Graduate School in 2007. He has an MA in Biblical Exegesis and received his doctorate of ministry in 2014 from Bethel Seminary. And Dr. Ewan's newest book is Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, Sex, Desire, and Relationships Shaped by God's Grand Story. That's a really long title, but 
It sounds good. It's puritanical. Dr. Ewan, thank you for joining us on Cross Politic. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited about it. Uh, very good. So there are so many books out there these days on sexuality and Christianity. Everybody's talking about it. Even same-sex lust and desire and gay marriage, all this stuff. Even Mayor Buttigieg is talking about it. Even him? Yeah. Okay, so Chris, why another book? What unique perspective or convictions do you bring to this conversation? I mean, do we really need another book on this topic? <laughs> you know, I think anyone who, who's writing a book, uh, the last thing they want to do is maybe do what has already been written about right? Um, or, you know, what, what others are already talking about and, and others may be doing them well. So you don't want to add anything extra. But we want to, uh, you know, I, I think usually – write and do something that hasn't really been done yet. And, and that's, what I, that's what I saw in, in kind of all the books out there. And there's more coming out. So there's books, you know, that are, I, I would say a lot of the ones lately seem to be a bit pragmatic. Um, how do we love, you know, uh, or how to be a good friend. Uh, what, what are people wrestling with same-sex attraction, sexual identity, or identify as gay? What do they really need? And uh, so kind of have this really pragmatic approach. Other, other books, um, and, and, and the kind of the fault in some of these books is I think they're approaching it with this, cons- you know, what we hear often is, well, we just need to love. Yeah. I struggle with that because, well, what is your love grounded in? Because if, mm. if your love is, if, if your concept of sexuality is one way, then your love is going to look a different way. So in other words, your truth forms your practice. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, uh, and so I, I, I realized that before we jump into doing right, we need to make sure we think right. Uh, because if you do right or try to do right before thinking right, you could be doing wrong. Mm. Another group of books uh, kind of focus upon a bunch of biblical texts, which I think have, there's been several good books that have, been, have done that. Uh, but we can't just end there. As people who have a high view of scripture, we look to God's word for not only uh, faith and practice, but for every aspect of our life. So we, we need to realize that we, we can't build a, a Christian life simply on what we shouldn't do. And that is why I wanted to write a book that was building off of good exegesis mm-hmm. and uh, helping us understand sexuality, not just homosexuality, but sexuality in light of systematic and biblical theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gabe, you kind of joked about the, my long subtitle. Actually, <laughs> I wanted my subtitle to be uh, "Sex Design Relationships Shaped by Systematic and Biblical Theology," but <laughs> my publicist got <laughs> <knocked> down. Why? <laughs> Good publicist. Um, yeah. so, Sounds like a Baxter you know, that, title that, right that there. Yeah. What, uh, you know their their thoughts on that. <laughs> now, now, um, Christopher, you have a backstory um, to this book. Your your personal testimony. Your you were a drug dealer. You were um, a homosexual. Uh, you um, uh, so kind of maybe maybe start there. What, what, what's Give your, your testimony? Did, yeah, short, did, short version of your testimony. How did you get to holy sexuality? Yeah, well, so I wasn't raised in a Christian home. We didn't own a Bible. Didn't go to church. But I wrestled with these desires that I never asked for from a young age. I was exposed to pornography when I was nine, which is actually a pretty average age today. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, it's crazy. Um, I kept it hidden, though. I, I didn't come out until I was in my early 20s. I was, I'm from Chicago, and I moved to Louisville, Kentucky to uh, go to graduate school. I was pursuing my doctorate in dentistry. <laughs> and I came out of the closet after my first year of dental school. I went home over break and told my parents, I am gay. 
Well, it's amazing how God used that crisis to first bring my mother to faith and then my father to faith. Oh, wow. But I went the opposite direction, wanted nothing to do with their crazy religion, and I act, unfortunately got involved in drugs. And not all gays and lesbians do drugs. Not all gay men are promiscuous. Some are, some aren't. But that certainly is part of my story. And I just, when I tell my story, I've got to be honest about that. But I also want to tell people that when you encounter the Lord Jesus Christ, he will impact every aspect of your life. Amen. Yeah. So I began experimenting with drugs, but like my classmates, I didn't have much money and I needed to support my habit, and I did that by selling drugs. I, and, I mean, the crazy thing is I, I sold to friends, classmates, even a professor. Oh. <laughs> so I lived this double life, um, and, and after, a, a, I mean, I was just actually three months before I received my doctorate, and the administration expelled me from dental school. Uh, oh! So I, I moved to Atlanta, and I kept doing what I knew how to do best, which was sell drugs. I actually became a drug supplier, um, and my parents had no clue that I was doing drugs, but they knew that my biggest sin wasn't that I was in a same-sex relationship or pursuing same-sex relationships, but they knew that my biggest sin was unbelief. And they prayed that God would do whatever. My mother began praying this prayer, that God would do whatever it takes yeah. <laughs> to bring me to him. Amen. And not even, not even that to bring me home, because I could come home and I'd still be lost. Right. But she just prayed, because she knew that if I surrendered to, to Christ, then everything else will follow that. Yeah. So she prayed for that miracle. Uh, they came to visit me one time in Atlanta, and I, I told them to get out. Mm. And here's the interesting thing. They weren't doing what kind of the the narrative you hear in the world, which is Christian parents are not able to love their gay children. I mean, you hear that, I mean, Hollywood, uh, what's that movie, uh, Boy Erased, and, you know, all these movies that say Christian parents cannot love huh. their gay children. Right. Well, I had the exact opposite experience. It was before my parents came to Christ that they couldn't love me, and it was only after they came to Christ that they knew that they could do nothing other than love me mm -hmm. as God loved them while they were weak, while they were powerless, while they were even his enemies. So they reached out to me, pursued me, uh, but and they weren't preaching at me. They weren't telling me I was living in sin. But just the fact that they exuded Christ, mm -hmm. that was offensive to me. And I told them, I kicked them out. My dad gave me his Bible. <laughs> they left, and I threw in the trash. That's, I mean, that's how much <laughs> wow. I hated God and mm. the Bible and Christianity. Yeah. And it was just so obvious after that visit that, I was hopeless. Uh, yeah. I was totally unreachable. But my folks, my mom, my dad, they committed not to focus on the hopelessness, but on the promises of God. And they enlisted uh, over 100 people from their church, from their Bible study fellowship group, to cry out to God that God would do whatever it takes. My mom fasted every Monday huh. for seven years. Oh, wow. She fasted. <laughs> 39 days on my behalf. Wow. So she prayed for a miracle, and that miracle came with a bang on my door. It was 12 federal drug enforcement agents, Atlanta police, and two big German shepherd dogs. Oh. <laughs> so I received, uh, at that time, a large shipment of drugs, not my largest, but they confiscated all my money, my drugs, and I was charged with the equivalent of 9.1 tons of marijuana. Oh. Wow. Which is legal where you guys are at, right? Well, uh, seven miles from us it is. Seven right miles away. We're in Idaho. Washington's seven miles from us, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was, you know, just at, 
I, I found myself in jail, never thinking I was going to be there. And I, I, I thought I was going to, you know, never get, get caught. And there I was. Um, I had, I called home, not wanting to make that phone call. And my mother's first words were, are you okay? No yelling, no berating, mm. just unconditional love. And I'm, I'm thinking of what Paul says in Romans 2, verse 4, that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Mm. Well, I was walking around my cell block, passed by a garbage can, thinking that's my life. Trash. Looked on top of the trash, and someone had just placed a Gideon's New Testament. (laughs) Took it back to my cell, began reading it, and God's Word began to convict me that I just didn't rebel against the government or rebel against my parents, but I rebel against a holy God. Amen. Well, worse things came, and... um, I, I was called to the nurse's office, and I got the news that I was HIV positive. Mm-hmm. So I found myself um, in jail with HIV, and I was laying in my bed one night all by myself, and I looked up at the metal bunk above me, and somebody had scribbled, if you're bored, read Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Huh. And I mean, there could have been any verse that some people could have written there, but that was the very thing that I needed to hear from mm-hmm. God, that I that he still had a plan for me. But I didn't know where that plan was going to take me. I kept reading God's Word, and I was convicted that I had put my identity in the wrong thing. That's why for my new book, that was I started there. And I think we miss that. We, we don't realize how much we, we begin when we engage with our gay friends with sinful behavior, which... It is. But when one views their sexuality not as what they do or what they feel, but as who they are, we need to step back and address that first. Because I, my whole world was gay. All my friends were gay. I lived in a 90% gay man, male apartment complex. I lived... I went. I bought groceries at the Gay Kroger. I mean, everything about me was. <laughs> Can a Kroger gay, be gay? The whole world was telling me I am gay. Wow. Yeah. And I, I, God showed me that no, my identity as a child of the living God needs to be in Jesus Christ alone. So I don't identify as gay, but I also don't identify as ex-gay, and even more, I don't identify as being heterosexual. That's not who I am. But my identity in Jesus Christ needs to be. My identity as a child of the living God has to be in Jesus Christ alone. I choose not to put those modifiers, because here's the reality. Sexuality is not who you are, it's how you are. There's a big difference. And when we're able to separate our sexuality, and particularly sinful same-sex desires, then we're able to separate that from you know, and be able to resist that. Because if we think about it as who we are, well, how can we resist who we are? But when I'm able to separate my desires and my behavior that are sinful from my personhood, then I'm able to, I and also labeled and open to allowing the Holy Spirit to then renew my mind and empower me to resist those sinful behaviors. Yeah, that's, that's and, a, um, so that's a glorious. So it was that God gave me this recognition also that heterosexuality can't be the goal. It's too wide of a definition that includes that could include sinful behavior. Yeah. But I realized that the opposite of homosexuality isn't heterosexuality, but the opposite of homosexuality is holiness. As a matter of fact, the opposite of every sin struggle is holiness. Yeah. So that really helped me uh, 
renew my mind and help me not only understand what it means to be a follower of Christ in the midst of temptations that come, but also what sanctification looks like. So God called me to ministry while I was in prison, um, and that's when I applied to Moody Bible Institute while I was in prison, got accepted, and um, yeah, I, I got out of prison. Uh, I, I, my references for Moody were a prison chaplain, a prison guard, and another prison inmate. So the fact that Moody accepted me Praise God. Amazing. Praise God. That's, a, that's awesome. Now, this is, this is a glorious story, yeah. and, and praise God. Wow. What, what a wonderful, wonderful testimony. I want to push on this theme of holy sexuality. That's, a, that's the title of your book. Um, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy to grant, I'm, I, I, I see what you're getting at as far as, um, it's not enough just to become heterosexual because there's heterosexual sin as well. Um, yeah. I get that. So it's a holy sexuality, but I think the one place where I wanted to push a little bit when I was reading your book, I wanted to sort of, Hey, what about now that I got you here? Um, yeah. I want to say, but isn't holy sexuality necessarily gendered? And what I mean by that is, isn't holy sexuality always either male or female? Uh, explain a little bit more more what you mean. Well, what I mean is you say we're called to holiness, and amen, yes. we're called to holiness, but our holiness is embodied in, in the bodies that God has given us, which are male or female. We're made in the image of yes. God either as a man or a woman, and so our holiness is necessarily either a male-shaped holiness or a female-shaped holiness, right? Yes, and so you know, in in my chapter on the uh, imago dei, I talk about how the imago dei is. Uh, and if you look at Genesis one twenty-seven, and the the, right. the parallel kind of tricolone of the the poetic passage. So actually, the Genesis one twenty-seven is is really poetry. It's three lines of poetry, and there are mm-hmm. three lines in parallel, uh, right. showing you know you know in the image of God, uh, you know God created man in His own image. First line, a second line of Genesis one twenty-seven is uh, in His own image. In, in His image, uh, God created him, and the third line is male and female. He created them. So you see the parallelism. Line one and two are basically identical, except the prepositional fa- uh, yeah. phrase is front-ended. And then what you see that is, is basically the same thing, other than he and them are changed. But that's also talking about kind of the the unity of of humanity, and also the uh, you know how we're I mean we're humanity is one, but also we're we're also corporate as well, and, right? You know, kind of also pointing to the Trinity. But then the the big difference is uh, in his image is in a sense replaced with male and female. And when we look at how these are in parallel we see that male and female is correlated to the image of God, and because the image of God is essential to who we are as, as humans, male and female is also essential to humans. So I, I completely agree with you. When we're talking about sexual identity, that's a little different from gender identity. So my book you know, basically addressed sexual identity. Uh, I definitely touched on sex. In the noun form, not in sex in the verb form, because sex... Sex can mean two things. Sex can be either the noun, male or female, or the verb, the act. But I guess what, what uh, I'm but, trying to get at. Yeah, so, so what when I'm trying I'm to get about at. Sexuality, um, it's male and female is correlated uh, and related to sexuality, but it's it's not like in general we don't we don't think about the male female as being the same as talking about. However, it's definitely correlated. But when I'm talking about holy sexuality, I'm just talking about. 
uh, our, our desires as opposed to, uh, which are more experiential. Certainly. And sexuality is more of an experiential reality as opposed to an ontological reality, I, I guess, which is then getting to the gender identity uh, conversation. So right, but what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at, male Christopher, female. what I'm trying to get at, though, is the idea that, so if God creates us as a man or as a woman, that yep. that ontology, that identity that God has given us, either as a man or as a woman, is mm-hmm. itself... A, 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 an assignment from God. So when he gives a, when he gives you a male body, he's giving you a calling to be a man in this world and to be oriented, if I can use that word, uh, to the world as a man, as a as a godly man, as a holy man, yeah. as a spirit filled man. And also, then, if you're given a woman's body, if you have a female body in the image of God, you also have an assignment to be in this world, a calling from God to be a woman in this world. Is is, is that is that you follow that? Yes, yes. So so then, I, but but then, so then, are you saying then? Therefore, uh, and so this is where. Um, so we're looking at what is purely ontological and essential to to being male or female, and when it comes to then sexuality, then the desires that come with it. Uh, I mean, and the argument that I make in my book also is that I believe that sexuality. So you know, so I, I don't I don't necessarily think that being a man uh, necessitates that I have to have uh, sexual attractions because. Um, if, if we're looking, I view sexuality as just a an earth here and now reality. Uh, when we when we're talking about the consummation and and when we're going to be fully united with Christ, um, because Matthew 22, there will be no marriage in heaven, um, and if sex is only reserved for marriage, uh, then there if marriage is done away with, because I see marriage on earth is just as a reflection of the eternal reality of sure. Uh, Christ and the Church, Ephesians five. Sure. Um, then that also means that sex will be done away with as well. And if sex is done away with as well, I also believe that sexual desires will be done away with as well, because they, we we will not have any unfulfilled desires in uh, in glory. So therefore, and so kind of this is logic, you know, yeah. kind of taking the logical path down. So therefore, I see that sexuality, as we know of it now, will be done away with. That doesn't mean that we have zero desires. Um, I just I just believe that the sexual desires uh, will be done away with because we won't have unfulfilled desires. So therefore, I, I do you know I 100% agree with you about that male female is completely and this is where I I really push back on the on the whole gender identity transgenderism movement um, you know which are it's correlated mm-hmm. with the sexual identity conversation but it's mm-hmm. still the world kind of separates it, and it's a little bit different discussion because it's it's more talking about ontological reality, uh, and and also kind of the psychological reality as the world takes it. Um, but uh, but sexuality is more kind of in this experiential realm about my desires that I experience, mm-hmm. and also my um, uh, the, the the behaviors that that we might yeah. act I, on you know, that stem from right. those desires. So I'm 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 sorry you can't I'm. You lost me. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm trying to follow you. So how do you tell a man to be holy? I tell, so, okay. Well, I mean, specifically related to sexuality. No. You, yeah, how do you tell a man to be holy? If God makes a man, how do you be holy as a man? 
so as a, as a man, uh, so if we're just talking specifically about sexuality, I've, I've broken down holy sexuality to two things. One is either chastity and singleness, which is what Jesus was, and he was fully human, and, mm-hmm. uh, and Paul as well. Uh, but also uh, the other path is um, faithfulness in marriage to someone of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. So that, those are my two, uh, and, and there's no other options in Scripture of, of those two paths. And the reason why I, I don't choose the term heterosexuality is, one, as Gabe, you said, heterosexuality is, first of all, a purely secular term. You won't find heterosexual anywhere, that word the phrase in the Bible, and not to say that that there the concept is there, but uh, but also we we have throughout Scripture mentioned uh, heterosexual what what we would call heterosexual sin, um, and you know whether it is promiscuity, whether it is sure. uh, incest between a, you know a father and a daughter, like Lot's uh, like like Lot's daughters mm-hmm. did to uh, her dad Lot, um, Samson. I mean, so there's. Adultery. There's there's adultery. There's fornication. So yeah. my argument is that if we lift up heterosexuality as the goal, and and I know Christians when they say heterosexuality, they, they probably and they most likely mean marriage. But he, he, here's the thing: marriage is not equivalent to the broad category of heterosexuality. And so in in a world of infinite shades of gray, and I kind of joke about this, not just 50, but in a world of, where everyone is being ambiguous, including those who identify as gay celibate Christians, right. we cannot be ambiguous as well. We have right. to be very, Amen. very precise. And that's, why our, so, that, that's what our concern that's, that's is. What, yeah, our so, concern is to be really precise here. And so, Christopher, yeah. one of the reasons why we're kind of pushing down this road is because right. Paul in, in Corinthians even rebukes men for being malakoi, for being soft. He particularly right. hits on the sin. It you know talks about um, you know s- sodomites or effeminate men um, need to repent of their sins. So right. that's that's why we want to make sure that we're um, defining what holy sexuality is, like you started off with in, in the Mago Day in the image of God, but that also has practical ramifications for even how men come off in community so for that makes so for example i mean uh so for example a a man has particular responsibilities to provide for and protect um and those are those are assignments from a holy god for a man to be holy as a man and and i would say it seems to me that in this life and in this world um those responsibilities ordinarily um, mean a man driving towards marriage and uh, bearing children, since that's the assignment that God gave in the beginning. The ordinary, the ordinary. assignment. Of yeah. course, um, recognizing that in God's extraordinary providence, he sometimes calls men to a life of celibacy and singleness, but even then, he still does that, and they're still to embody godliness and holiness as men. Uh, protectors yep. and providers yep. and people who imitate the self-sacrificial love of Jesus in the world. Is it, you follow? Yep, I, I do. So, so let me let me help help us. Uh, I, I'm very much a person, you know. Like I said, I I I, I love to uh, create categories because I think when we do, it helps clear ambiguity. Sure. Yeah. And um, I, and I really haven't ha- heard people talk about this. Uh, anyone have who has, and I think it's just kind of recently. And I'm actually thinking about writing something, whether it's an article or or a book. So when we're talking about gender, male, female, 
there's four clear, distinct categories that we need to discuss, especially when we relate to the world, as, and, I, and I'm talking about the secular world as well. Yeah. Four clear categories. One, first, is sex, male and female. That is an ontological category. It is... Uh, it's wired. It, it is also biological, mm-hmm. genetic, yeah. physical, mm-hmm. etc. Um, of course, there are a small percentage of people who are anomalies, uh, and we would call that intersex, but that's beside the point. That's, it's still... A uh, ontological reality yeah. of male and female, and actually, I would argue that it's not only ontological; it's spiritual because of Genesis one twenty-seven that yeah. is related to the imago dei. Yeah. Okay. Second category is a secular category that I don't agree with, and Christians we shouldn't agree with, but it's still something that we need to be familiar with. Um, uh, well, well, let me first explain before I kind of just uh, explain a little bit more. So the second one is gender. So even though sex and gender in the past have been synonymous, the psychological world has now said gender <laughs> yeah. right. is different from sex. Gender is a psychological reality. Right. And, um, you know, and that, by definition, is subjective. It's not objective like sex, male and female. That's ontological. Right. Um, uh, with that being said, I don't agree with that category. I'm not then saying that people, because of the fall and because of sin nature, don't struggle with uh, their, you know, thinking that they might sure. be a woman, even though they're, they're in a man's body. I mean, sure. that's the reality of the fall. The world won't admit to that, but, you know, I know people who struggle with it, and they're struggling faithfully, even though know, they're resisting, you know, what their thoughts and want to do, what their brain wants to do, but they're not allowing their psychology to usurp, you know, biology, and, 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 and what I see is male and female as being spiritual, related to the image of God. So that's, that's the second category. Okay. Third category is masculinity and femininity. Okay. Kind of what, what does manly mean? What does womanly mean? What does, yeah. Those are, tend to be a bit more socially constructed, because our concept of kind of manly here in the U.S. is vastly different than, let's say, Asia. Uh, you know, what, where I'm from. In, in Asia, there isn't, you know, this you got to be rough, tough, kind of, um, uh, you know, football players, kind of a, a quintessential, I guess, you know, understanding of, uh, you know, in Asia, you know, kind of to be manly means that you're responsible. Yeah, we're sure. tracking with you. We're you tracking are with man you. of your word. Yep. Yeah, we got you. Um, you know, so, so there's a little difference there. Um, you know, I, I kind of joke sometimes if, you know, what we see is manly and we kind of take that to Asia, we wouldn't say that's manly. We would kind of say that's barbaric. <laughs> yeah. um, so then the fourth category, and this fourth category non-Christians do not have. It's only for us who are Christians, and that's manhood and womanhood. Um, that is a biblical category where there are, even male and female, we are equal, but there are distinct roles that just as in the Trinity, uh, right. uh, mm-hmm. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are equal, but there are distinct roles uh, for what it means to be the Father, what it means to be the Son, what it means to be the Holy Spirit. In the same way, or similar way, uh, male and female, though we are equal uh, uh, in essence, but in value, but we ha- have uh, distinct roles in the home, uh, in the church, etc. Right. Yep. So anyway, those those four categories, I think it's 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 important since we're getting to this conversation on male and female. Sure. Um, uh, you know, the the first one, male and female sex, 
is clear. That that does not change, and I think that's also not just biological and physical, but it's also spiritual, so it's essential. Mm -hmm. Second is a psychological reality that can be affected by the fall. Third category is masculinity, femininity, which is kind of, you know, is is a bit more socially constructed. Now, then the fourth category is manhood and womanhood, and those are clear biblical categories. Yeah. We often we have this conversation kind of conflate them, especially the world, right? They say, well, masculine, femininity is, what does that mean? It's social construct, so therefore male and female is social construct, and that's wrong, uh, and that's not correct. So anyway, so, you know, when we're talking about that, biblical manhood and womanhood, um, I completely agree with, uh, but that's also a little bit different from what, what it might mean to be masculine and feminine. I want to I talk a little bit more about, or do you want, you, what do you think? You're looking at me. I'm just. I'm going to push it in a little different direction I know. now. But yeah, we can sure. talk about so much. Okay, maybe we'll talk. Uh, You'll come back. I, yeah. Okay. Or, no, just, or you want to do it? I just. Yeah. Okay. I'll do it. Do it. Um. I just don't understand when we talk about being a holy man. If he's a father, then we know how he should be acting towards his wife because he has a wife. He has a child. I don't understand right. why these need to be separated out this way for us. If we're talking about a man, and if we're talking about a woman, we know what they're gender is supposed to be we, we know it if they're supposed to be feminine we know that um what the, their role is going to be if they're a wife or a mother if they're single I, I don't understand why they have to be divided so much i just don't understand that what, what do you mean what's, what's it's divided? Not, it sounds like that you said we have to talk about it in in four different ways and it feels like well if i say a woman all these things fall under that category Im- immediately well, no, but I'm just saying when we're having discussions about you're gender, talking about with the with, with, talking uh, with the world, we, we with the need world. to like not confuse. Like when we're talking about feminine, uh, that doesn't necessarily is not the same thing as the categories of male female because feminine, the world can say, um, being artistic is feminine, right? And right. you know, playing uh, playing soccer is is manly. I'm and a, I, I'm that's where I would disagree. Those are kind of social <laughs> soccer. Who's to, who's to say I have a daughter who likes soccer? So she's not manly. She's just a girl who who likes soccer. So so that's where th- that can get confused. Um, so but being I think rough just, and tough I, is, does, is that necessary? I'm not saying that women need to be rough and tough. I'm just saying does rough and tough that's masculine? Does that mean that that is what God created man to be? Yes. That's, those are those are my. So when we're, but, I only brought that up because in the conversation we need to realize masculine and also manhood yeah, yeah. and womanhood. I don't think rough and tough is is related to manhood, uh, because I mean, well, except for, David was, but was he was rough after and, his own heart, but was also ruddy in appearance. I mean, he was short. Uh, he was he wasn't like you know Saul or or, or Goliath or um, he was musical in our in our day. In our, you know, kind of definitions, people would say yeah. that, you know, maybe he wasn't a quintessential example of masculine, but I would say he was definitely fit into, you know, biblical manhood. I so know that, you were... That's my, that's where I'm just saying that we sometimes confuse the categories of masculine manly as, as uh, we kind of confuse that with manhood, uh, the biblical category of manhood. That, that was my only point. I, I'm not... Sure. Again, I'm, and I'm not saying that you know we need to then promote um, what you know guys who act girly or whatever. That's 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 a different you know discussion related to sexuality. But um, and I'm not promoting man to be you know to act to acting like women. I'm just simply saying that when it comes to sexuality and kind of the desires, uh, those that's also kind of a different. 
discussion because we're just talking about desires. But I also want to change people's understanding that sometimes our idea of masculine, you know, I I don't like sports. I I, I never like Shame sports. On you. So that doesn't make me then <laughs> less manly, you know, less manly or yeah. or less of a man okay, that sure. God created me. I don't know. I that, that's music. a different conversation, um, Christopher. And, you know, <laughs> that, so so those are my I I, I, I the whole Mal- Malakoy, and I think that that. Um, you know, I, I think those are kind of the more biblical categories and specifically talking there about behavior. Uh, but when we have people who are godly men and they might not fit into the, the, the social category of masculine, um, I don't think that that then means that he's not being a man or that he's not fitting the category. We have to push that into, uh, we have to have another, yeah, I wanna, we have we're, another conversation yeah. about this, but I need to, I'm going to push this back. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I want to push this back. And this, this ties back into more of the, the very heart of your book, I think. And, and that yeah. is throughout your book, um, and you've already used some, um, uh, descriptions here in our conversation about, um, r- related to desires and particularly maybe unasked for temptations or unasked for desires. It, it seems throughout your book, you're talking to a particular sort of person who has this unasked for, if I can put that in scare quotes, temptations, desires, um, and, and simply believes he was basically born gay, born this way. Um, it seems like that's, the, the the guy you're talking to or the person you're talking to about primarily. And, and so a lot of your argument um, sort of comes out of that. And and I'm happy to assume that such people exist for the sake of argument. Some people have that experience. The, the, the striking thing to me, though, is that the Bible seems to assume a different sort of person whenever it talks about the sin of sodomy or the sin of effeminacy or homosexual lust um, in the Bible. When it brings up those sins, it describes those people as like, you know, think of Romans one, for example, people suppressing the truth in unrighteousness, rejecting God and becoming foolish. Um, then men and women changing from natural use of sex to unnatural, vile affections. It seems like the Bible assumes that most homosexual behavior is high handed rebellion against God. And, and so if it's high handed, conscientious, I know you're God and I hate you. Shouldn't we do the same when we're talking to the same people? Shouldn't we assume that they are high in high handed rebellion against their maker when we talk to them? Shouldn't we talk to them that way? Yeah. So I, before I answer that, I, I don't believe people are born gay. That, and I, I, that I, okay. I kind of talk about that in, in my book. Uh, I don't remember what chapter it is. Chapter five. I think I was okay. know, consequence of. Uh, bad anthropology. I think at the very end, mm-hmm. I say that j- just going from the secular route because that's that's most of the people in the world they they believe that people are born gay. Yeah. Um, I I just go from the scientific route. There's no science that has proven that. Um, nothing that that has shown that we we are we are born with a sin nature, but that does not mean that sure. we are born uh, gay or yep. born alcoholic or born a liar or a cheater or an adulterer. Good. Um, That's good stuff. As, you know, so being born with a sin nature that we are sinners by nature. Sure. Uh, very Augustinian, you know, yes. and that, yes. you know, that's original sin. Every one of us are born with that sin nature. However, this is where people, Christians, make that mistake. That is, oh, then therefore we're born gay. No. We are born with, with the propensity to sin. We have that predisposition. I, I think 
we could be born with the pre, I mean, predisposition toward alcoholism. That doesn't automatically right. make one an alcoholic. Right. We could be born with a predisposition toward pornography lust or whatever. Sure. You know? And I think that someone could be born with a predisposition, you know, even with this sin struggle. However, that a predisposition is different from a predetermination. Very good. Mm-hmm. So let me then get to the Romans 1 uh, passage. So I, I've... I've I've read a lot on this and and done, um, uh, you know some some of my you know study on this. So the argument that are you familiar with John Boswell? He I'm, was I'm not. Uh, a gay historian in the eighties uh, from okay. the University of Chicago. Okay, and he was the one that kind of put out uh, the first. I don't know, a lot of the arguments, the really, really weak, bad exegesis on these. Um, and the argument that he made is that kind of in line with what you're making, you know, it says, well, you look at Romans 1, it seems like that um, God, you know, you know, first handed them over to, uh, you know, person over to idolatry, and then idolatry, then, then handed them over to this. Yeah. Uh, so kind of almost making it talk, you know, seeming like, Paul is making this individual argument of this is how a person experiences same-sex attractions or turn gay, whatever term you know people use. Boswell use that term. I don't like to use that term, gay. But um, but the mistake is that that's actually not what Paul. Paul isn't how an individual, um, you know, he an in, individual turns to idols and then an individual then God hands that individual over. Uh, to shameful lust, um, and then that individual then experiences these attractions. Actually, the argument is, if you look at Romans 1, 18, all the way through 32, is that this is, you know, that, that this is how God hands humanity, all of humanity, over, and Romans 1, 26, 27, that's kind of just in the middle. I mean, really, the, the, uh, the crescendo happens afterwards when then, uh, Paul lists all the other sins, and I'm not saying, I'm not diminishing the reality of this sin. I'm just saying that uh, the flow of argument is that this is, talk, this is condemning all of humanity to all, God handed all of humanity to their shameful lusts. And, and this is one of those bad examples of how, how humanity turned from God as a whole. I mean, that's, that's the whole argument of Romans at the beginning. You know, can, Paul saying, Y'all, every one of you all are condemned, and then Romans chapter two, where then Paul sure. then turns to the Jews who said, "You think you're, 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 you know, because Romans one is kind of talking about the Gentiles who did not know God, um, and then it turns then to the Jews, and he's like, you know, you, you're just as bad. Right. Uh, then getting to Romans three, that all have all have sinned and fall right. short of the glory That's of right. God. So yep. Romans one isn't specifically talking about how an, one person turns to idols, and then and then he. God hands them over, but it's actually all of humanity, the depravity of all of humanity, and unfortunately that has then resulted in this particular sin, along with a lot of other sins that then right. Paul lists, but, but don't, 28 through 31. That's, that's helpful. And 30, I actually, oh, 32, sorry. That, that's helpful, and, I, and, I, and I'm actually fine with that. Yeah. I guess my point, though, is, is yes, that's describing the whole of humanity. This is who we are in Adam. Um, but every one of us participates that in that rebellion in, as individuals. So, so we are participating in that rebellion by rejecting the God who clearly is seen in creation. We are not giving him thanks and praise and worshiping him. And I grant that it, it's happening in a myriad of maybe slightly different ways in every generation and in different families Society. and societies yeah. and cultures and so <laughs> forth. Um, nevertheless, 
it's and I would apply it to actually all the rest of the sins that are listed after homosexuality, backbiters and boasters and inventors of evil things and disobedient to parents. In every one yep. of those situations, um, we individually decide to reject God, our maker, and in yep. our rebellion and in our high handed rebellion, choose to sin. And yep. and so my my point, though, is, is um, it, it um, aren't we to address sinners as willing participants um as people who have chosen to sin chosen to reject god and have done it knowingly and willingly so so your question is should we tell them yes yeah you have chosen sin and you have rejected god and you know better so i i think our goal needs to be how do we draw people to christ sure because, yes, my ultimate goal is that they would stop sinning. But I know that if, if an individual does not have the Holy Spirit abiding in them, they're not able to Amen. not right. sin. I mean, Amen. You know, like Augustine says, you know, we, we are just not able not to sin. Amen. Um, and non passe non passe non bacari. Hey, he's speaking and, in tongues! He's speaking <laughs> in tongues! <laughs> he did it. For you. He did it. <laughs> So the only way that that can happen is not through my logic or my reason or my definition or my words, even though God can use that, but right. it is that God first, uh, you know, works in their life to then soften their spirit and, and give them, uh, you know, a, a new heart and and pour out that that grace, as the irresistible grace that we like to call, yep. and that, you know, draws draws that person to himself, not to say that we don't do anything. So that, so I'm not saying, you know, that's the whole argument against us Calvinists, that, oh, you just, then it's all God, you do nothing. No, right. we do, but my goal isn't to then convince the sinner first that he is, you know, that what he's doing is sin, because I, you know, hmm. I'll give a few examples. If I convince a gay man that, that what he's doing is sin, he's still lost. My parents they weren't they weren't trying to convince me that i was living in sin what they were convincing me was that nothing is better than surrendering your life to christ and that's what i needed to do first but don't you so, have, so here's here's, here's that, our concern christopher <laughs> christopher so here's here's our concern with this um uh there is a lot of for for whatever reason we've developed kind of a theology and categories of dealing with the sin of homosexuality in a way yep. that we would never deal with the sin of pedophilia, in a way that we never deal, deal with the sin of you know alcoholism and so forth. In your book, yep. you specifically mentioned that we shouldn't make fun of gays, and but Jesus has um, the hard language and even um, a serrated, edgy language for those who are proud, flamboyant. Um, uh, Pharisees, Sadducees, lawyers, yeah. and everything. But all of a sudden, when it comes to the sin of homosexuality, we create categories that we wouldn't do for any other. But and, and here's sin. the thing. And here's the thing. Let me and, let and, me pick back on and that. I tell you why. But I me, do think we need, we need to contextualize the gospel because again, our goal is what is going to be uh, one of the best ways for me to uh, present Christ to that other person, not present morality, because morality. Sure. It, 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 yeah, not moralism. I don't. I don't want to present morality. I want to present Christ first. Amen. That then through Amen. Christ, 
that then comes holy living. But, but here's the thing, the Christopher. I, I, I'm not, I totally get you on the pedophilia and, and adultery and alcoholism. Yeah. Because, so, I mean, let me first give you an example. In the same way, worshiping a false god is bad, right? I mean, that's... that's Certainly. And, yeah. and that's Amen. just as idolatry and the homosexual and sexual sin is probably the two greatest things that the world, I mean, the, that the Bible emphasizes as the worst. Worshiping Allah is a sin. So would you then go into Iran and begin telling the imams and those around you that you're living in sin and that, that worshiping Allah and, and seeing Muhammad as a, as a prophet when he's a false prophet, Acts is that why? Would that be the most effective way to share the gospel? We're not minimizing <laughs> the fact that they're yes. living in sin and, I think, in even idolatry. Yeah. But my main goal, why wouldn't I treat that sin of worshiping a false god the same as pedophilia? Because my goal isn't to convince someone that this is sin. My goal is that they would put their faith in Christ but, and stop sinning in that way. But there's and no that's need to. That's what there's no need to put. Just, there's mean, no need to put your faith in Christ though if you're not sick. Is universally known to be sin. I mean, I don't really know. I mean, not, yes, there's not some anymore. people that think it's okay, but in general. It is viewed as as sin here here in the U.S. But here's the thing: in, in in Romans one through three, though, I mean, you just walk through it in a glorious, beautiful way, and and yet the the culmination, the climax, is is that every mouth would be shut, and the whole world would become guilty before God. Yeah, that's the goal of Romans one, two, and three: is the whole world is guilty, and and the yeah. and the point of it is to say you need Jesus, and and I think right. so. I think. The reason why we preach the law and the and the inability of uh, sinners to save themselves, the inability of sinners to be good, is because we want them to come to the end of themselves. We want them to right. To, to but see that the, Romans one wasn't written to unbelievers. He was he was writing to the Roman the church at Rome. Sure, but so it I was, think there's a difference. I mean, in, in Acts, Paul did not speak this way to the the Gentiles. Uh, you know, uh, he, he he spoke and he wasn't reading. I mean, he could have read off Romans one and you know, you guys have all turned you know to your shameful lust, etc. But he didn't. So, and, but he did I, identify I their idols. In, in, what's that? He did identify their idols, right. though. To he, the unknown he god, was, he was he, he, did. he was angry right, about the their idols. But it was, I mean, he was almost kind of like praising them. I'm like, I see you even have this. You know, I'm not praising, but I mean, kind of like he wasn't in a that was their condemnation way, But he's like, but actually, you want to know who this, un, you know, this god, and, and he's then pointing to, uh, you know, the but one he, true god. But he clearly but tells them. He, he clearly was, tells he them though that. It, it, that he told, he clearly tells them though that the God who created the heavens, and the earth, is not made with human hands. He says he's he says you're worshiping idols, and the real God sent Jesus and raised him from the dead, and he's going to judge the world. And that's Acts seventeen, right? But but I, I don't think he said you you all are worshiping idols. I mean he he said that I mean he he said that in a roundabout way. But that's I mean that in a sense is my point is that we need to have the conversation first about there is a God. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ. That actually, to me, almost proves my point more. Instead of saying, y'all are going to hell and you guys are all idolaters, that's not how Paul presented it. He actually kind of was using their language and using kind of uh, things that were familiar to him because they were, they sure. were you, know, you know, they and, kind of and I don't they mind believed that. in a pantheon of gods. And so, the, so it was okay to talk about, you know, oh, this other god. But then Paul was like, but then this one god is actually the true god. And he is the one creator. So he kind of was, he was, he, I don't think he was doing, you know, a, uh, you know, 
he was actually talking and presenting kind of the reality of God and the reality of Jesus Christ who came and really presenting the gospel. Yeah, sure. So I, uh, so I totally think we need to point out sin, but I think before we talk about morality, we need to talk about God. Like, like I even tell people, like, if they... If they have a loved one that asks that question, I, I think it's more important to say, I, you don't even believe in God. So let's, let's first talk about the existence of God first. But isn't let's the whole issue... the reality of, of Scripture and truth. How can and, you and separate... Jesus Christ. How can you separate, though, the existence of God from morality? I, I agree. I don't want to preach morals. I agree with you completely. I'm Absolutely. Not, I'm not trying to preach people just to be good. That's not going to work. Right, because I totally agree. If you, but if I mean, you talk if about you the living God... The world talks, wants to talk about morality. That's especially when it comes to homosexuality. And when you go down that road, that road is not going to come back to God. I've, I've seen it happen. But so how is that possible? It, it, will, front end it will if you first. leave them hopeless. I mean, they need to become hopeless. Like, like you did in a prison cell. Um, I mean, that, that was the glory, is that you became hopeless. You looked at a trash can, and you and said, that's, that's my why, life. <laughs> yeah, and that's why my parents prayed do whatever it takes, because they know that they can't do that. Right. It has to be God, do whatever it takes. Of course. And, I mean, I, so I, I think, and, and I don't know, I mean, maybe maybe my, my challenge to you was, I mean, how has that been effective for you? When, you know, when was the last time you brought a gay individual to faith using that method? I mean, if you have, great. I haven't seen it, though. I've never seen it. I've seen where it began with talking, I mean, and, and why, and I know... I, I'm all about, I'm totally against being politically correct, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to avoid right, right. controversial tops, topics. Yeah. I'm all about touching on, con- like religion, I'm all about talking about Christ. I don't care if you're offended, but <laughs> I'm right. in prison yeah. if I talk about Christ, because I've been there. Prison is, isn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I can talk about Christ. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really care. You can, you can do whatever you want. But I want to I front-end Christ and the reality of God the Father and, and what it means that we all are sinners first before I kind of make it so personal about that. And, and the reason why maybe we are so sensitive is because, and relating back to Islam, is again why I kind of start my chapter with identity. When you talk about this sin, they don't hear you saying that my behavior is sinful. When you talk to a Muslim, uh, an Arab, a Muslim, uh, that you know, you're worshiping the false god. They don't hear you kind of just saying that your behavior, because Muslim, being Muslim is is an identity. That's who mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. And they can't separate that. And mm-hmm. I think that's a, a, a kind of a good correlation to show why I don't see pedophilia. When I call someone a pedophile, no one sees that as this is who you are, but we know that that's what you do. When it comes to adultery, this is not who you are, but what you do. And that's why we have to start with that important part of identity. And who do we, how do we know who we are, as John Calvin says? We, we, we can't know ourselves without first knowing God. So therefore, that's kind of my reason of, of putting identity first and therefore front-ending, not talking about the sin yet, because they're not ready to hear about the sin, because when they hear sin, they do not hear. I did not hear when Christians were saying, you know, your your behavior is sin. That was not that was not what I filtered it through because I had the wrong identity. I heard them when they say you're you know you're sinning. I heard that as saying my whole person, like ontologically, my personhood is sinful, and I couldn't separate that. And and therefore, I think it's helpful. 
to then have this conversation of first, let's talk about ontology. Let's talk about, and when we're talking about anthropology, that can only begin not in kind of social science or, you know, kind of historical, you know, the secular view of anthropology, but from a theological, biblical understanding of who we are grounded in God himself. Um, okay. You know, boy, we can, we've been talking for a while, so I, we have to end it, but I, I want to continue this conversation. One of the things, though, that as you're talking, I keep thinking about is it doesn't matter when we're talking to the pagan how much we want to talk about their ontology, onto, ontology, I can't even say the word, wow. You said it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but really, we're talking to dead men. Yeah. How, how, how much they, did... they can't hear anything except for the gospel itself. They can't hear right. any. So our ultimate, our ultimate conversation. And so I guess part of me is I'm thinking about guys who take the time out of their lives to go to the gay pride parade and to cry out to those men and to those women who are in sin and say, oh, turn from your sin. God is there to save you. It almost sounds like that what, what they're doing would be ineffective. And I don't believe that for one second because they're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to dead men. So you have dead men who need to become alive. The only way for them to become alive is through that proclamation. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of uh, street evangelism. I mean, not to say that it can't work, but I mean, I, I think in the more day-to-day, for ev- I don't think just individuals are, you know, only certain individuals uh, should be ones doing evangelism. I think every sure. one of us should be sure. doing evangelism and, and discipleship. And I think that's in the ordinary, everyday relationships that we have with our neighbors and with our coworkers, with our relatives, um, so, uh, yes, I, I totally believe that God, God can use that. I'm just looking at what's most effective. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, before I was unbeliever, uh, before I was a believer, um, I totally w- was part of those gay pride parades. And I wanted nothing. All I wanted to do was get high and drunk. And that's why I'm just not sure if that's the most effective way sure. uh, for, for, for evangelism. What I believe is a very effective way is being in people's lives, being involved, not just giving them shotgun, shotgun evangelism, but actually, and not uh, thinking that evangelism means I'm inviting people to your church. That's not evangelism. Sure. Um, I, I think we need to gotta be speaking into their lives. And yes, we are speaking to dead men, and we, we need to then present the gospel that we're all sinners. I'm not, I totally think we need to present that. But if there's a guy next door and he's sleeping with his girlfriend, I'm not going to skirt around the fact that he's sleeping with his girlfriend. Sure. But when I first meet him and invite him over to my to dinner along with his girlfriend, I'm not going to say you all are living in sin and you guys are. I, I'm going. To, I want to kind of build that trust so that I I can be able to speak into their life about these. That takes 15 seconds. <laughs> Building trust takes 15 seconds. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really uh, it really does. I mean, I don't. I, I don't think I have, so, especially when, when, especially when the gay community thinks that we are their enemies. Yeah, and well, you here, know, here's my experience. So, so, I mean, my, my experience when the Muslim community thinks we're out to kill them, I don't think it takes 15 seconds. I've, 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 I, maybe, I've, uh, maybe your neighbor who is American and kind of has maybe Christian background, and and that 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 I can see. But when someone has been told the lies that Christians hate them. 
it takes a little bit more time. I mean, there's here's, a lot, we're, we're held suspect by Muslims. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. We're held suspect by the gay community. You, Unfortunately, you, I, held, I, I hated Christians. Yeah. But you, you, it's because you hated God. That's right. And, and, but here's the thing. You, you mentioned, um, you mentioned earlier, you asked, you know, uh, has it been effective? Has this style been effective? And, and here's the thing that I, uh, struck me when I first started going out doing open air preaching and evangelism. Uh, first of all, I never dreamed that I would do the sort of thing, do open air preaching. I've told the story on the show before, but God tricked me into it. So I, I blame, <laughs> I blame God and it's a really fun, awesome story. But, but the thing that struck me is when I, I mean, I, I knew the, you know, the hell fire brimstone, guy on you know that you see in the youtube videos you're going to hell the, the, you know the guy that clearly you know, just seems like he hates everybody I, I didn't want to be that guy at all right i didn't want to be that guy but when i went yeah. out so but at the same time i wanted to be faithful and i wanted to be true and so when i started going out and open air preaching i i didn't shy away from the from what god's word said i called sin sin um identify right. and, and across the board you know fornication adultery pornography sodomy effeminacy you know i mean i just i was a equal opportunity offender and at the same yeah. time, you know, preaching Christ crucified for sinners, Christ risen for sinners. And and the thing that was utterly shocking to me, honestly, was um, how many people came up to me afterwards and said, I don't agree with anything you just said, but I can tell you really care about us. Thank you. So, yeah. Thank you so much for caring enough to come out and tell us. Yeah, that's, that's great. And, and I, I just want to give this one quote for why uh, in general, people, you're right. We don't want to be that hateful, you know, kind of, you know, your veins are popping out of your neck, you're going to hell yeah. type of preacher. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. And being from Moody, the D.L. Moody, when he was alive right. uh, here on earth, because now he's alive more than ever in heaven. Amen. But, uh, he, he, people told, talked about Moody that no one else can talk about fire and brimstone except for Moody. And you know why? Because he did it with tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. I think that, so... So I agree, and, and, and I, I, when I was talking about the, the street preaching, I was kind of talking about at the, at the Gay Pride Parades, because I've seen it done bad, yeah. and also I think the context isn't the best. But I think that we need to warn people of that, yeah. but at the same time, we have to do it with tears. And, and sometimes we have to build that trust. Um, in general, most people don't do it on the street corner, but they do it in their regular relationships. Sure. And... Um, yeah, so I, I wow. think that I, I don't think we're really disagreeing on, on a lot. I mean, I'm, I think I've, I would love Application. to have more of this conversation. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would too. Oh I yeah, no, we, we need to, we need many to... people that I talk to don't know what they're talking about. They don't know their Bible. They, you know, yeah. and yeah. and I think we we are thinking about you know the same things. Just maybe we would word things a little differently. And and I think you know, and this has been helpful because I know that sometimes when I word things, I I might overemphasize on one at the expense of the other and I don't and, yeah. I, and I don't mean that yeah. yeah well we really appreciate your time Absolutely. Christopher and, and appreciate your labors for the kingdom of God amen uh, Dr. Christopher Yohan Holy Sexuality and the Gospel available at Amazon I'm sure you can get it there or anywhere books are sold more cross politics when we come back actually let's just end this show this is long I think that was it <laughs> if you're single get married if you're married have kids and if you have kids go baptize them until next week love God with all your heart soul mind and strength love your neighbor as yourself go fight Laugh and feast. This is Cross Politic. That was a good enough show. That was that was long enough.